Today is the first Sunday in February, and uh, I always remember that because I started here on a first Sunday in February. So this Sunday marks four years that I've been here at the church, a little over two years of part-time, and now, uh, what is it, a year and a half or so of full-time ministry. And in all the things that I've preached, I'm not sure that I have um, preached a sermon that I felt was as important as what I've been preaching these last few weeks. These have not been biblical, exegetical sermons the same way. Um, Rather than try to look at the meaning from the text, I've been trying to look at our culture and our world and talk about what's going on. Now, the last couple Sundays, as I've been preaching this really important sermon series, we have had some really terrible weather on Sundays, which means I know a lot of you missed at least one of the last two uh, sermons before this. There's a website on the, uh, on the bulletin. You can always go and catch the sermons that you missed. And if you missed either of the last two Sundays, I really think you ought to go back and catch up on them. Um, you won't be real lost today if you missed them, but uh, you missed some very important stuff, I really feel, for the future of the church in the world, but also for the future of our church. So I encourage you to do that. If you have an iPhone, um, those are also on podcasts. So if you know what you're doing with that kind of thing, You can go to the podcast app or the iTunes, look up Jordan Rimmer, you'll find me real fast. So we are talking about sort of three storms that seem to have come together to create a perfect storm in our world. One is called post-Christendom. I talked about that last week. The the idea that we used to live in in a country particularly, but in the West generally, we used to live in a, in a society that, that generally held to Christian values, even though a lot of people weren't Christians. They generally held to Christian values, and Christians generally had uh, prominence in the public square in conversation. That is no longer the case, and I really talked last week about what that means for the church. This week we're going to talk about what we call postmodernism, which is where the, the world is really reacting against the modern thought of the 1500s, the Enlightenment, and uh, just sort of rejecting that, and it means some different things for our society. Next week I'm going to talk about what I call post-Enlightenment, which is an extension of what I'm going to say today. Just, we think differently today. People think differently today than they did even 20 years ago. My kids think differently than I do. It's weird to think about and process. And so, and then in my final sermon I'm going to talk about the future of the church and what I think the church is going to look like in the future because of this. Um, today, because I'm going to be burning through a lot of stuff in a really short period of time, uh, in your bulletin there's a, there's a handout. It says the Tsunami of Postmodernism Sermon Notes, and you'll be able to follow along pretty easily with that. Two texts for you today, a very short text just to get us going. From Job chapter 30. You lift me up on the wind... You make me ride on it, and you toss me about in the roar of the storm. I use this verse because I do think that there are these three storms, and that for a lot of us as Christians, we're being tossed around by them. The world is in a great time of shift. These storms have combined to have a perfect storm sort of effect. But what I want to really acknowledge as I preach through this is that God is behind that, and that God sometimes does that to shake things up, and I think that's really happening today. But here's my warning from Proverbs 22.3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. 
I think as Christians, we also need to be prudent. We need to be aware of what's going on. We can't put blinders on and pretend like the world is the same as it was 30 years ago because it's not. And we are foolish if we march ahead and don't understand the changes that are going on. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, you've probably read, at least some of you, the Chronicles of Narnia. He's written all kinds of books, writing on the spiritual life, the, the children's books. But he was classically trained in literature. And he wrote, one of his last books was called The Discarded Image. The Discarded Image. It's an overview of medieval and renaissance uh, thinking in the medieval and renaissance worldview. And what, what he was saying in this writing, wrote it in 1964, uh, so 50 years ago. He writes to say, you know, when you go back and read this medieval literature, you have to understand the way they think to be able to understand the writing. You can't just go back and read all this stuff, you gotta, you got to put yourself in the mindset. Listen to how he ends the book. This is right at the very end of the book. He says this quote. It is not impossible that our own model, that's what he says for kind of worldview way of thinking, will die a violent death, ruthlessly smashed by an unprovoked assault of new facts. Unprovoked is the Nova of 1572. But I think it is more likely to change when and because far-reaching changes in the mental temper of our descendants demand it should. The new model will not, set be, will not be set up without evidence, but the evidence will turn up when the inner need for it becomes sufficiently great. It will be true evidence. What Lewis is saying is this. Lewis is saying that our worldview could die someday. 50 years ago he's writing this. And he said what he thinks is going to happen, it's not going to be a lot of new evidence necessarily, not a, not a lot of big changes, but what's going to happen is, just kind of from inside of us and inside of our society, the way we think is just no longer going to cut it. And the world is going to start shifting in its thinking. I think Lewis was right on. And I don't think he could have imagined that 50 years later I'd be preaching a sermon claiming that it happened. I don't think he would have thought that it came that fast. But I think that it has. The modern worldview that I'm going to try to describe here has been abandoned in favor of a postmodern view. It's called post because, well, we don't quite know what it's going to be yet. But we know some things about it. Maybe a helpful way to think about this is three eras of human history. So this is a little more historical than some of my other sermons too, but stay with me, this is really important. You might think about the pre-modern worldview um, as happening before the 1500s. It's a little hard to distinguish um, that from earlier worldviews. But think about people in the 1400s and earlier. They tended to be very superstitious. They didn't understand the world. And so they would um, attribute all kinds of diseases that we now know a lot more about to, um, to demons and to, to the need to bloodlet and get evil out of your bloodstream. It was, it was a superstitious time where what was most important about you, the way you defined yourself, was your family. We see this in the Bible stories all the time, right? That you are who your parents are. You are who, you, who your family name is. The church was really based on faith. It was really just based on sort of believing in your heart and living out what you understood. 
lot of Christians didn't have the Bible, right? Because the printing press isn't invented until the 1500s by a man named Gutenberg. Okay? So there's no writing. There's no reading. There's very little education. You know what you did? You did whatever your family business was, which for a long time was farming. And then we start getting blacksmiths and all these other people. But you learned your family trade and your identity came from your family. And so the church wasn't really based on what you believed or understood. Because most people didn't know that much. You knew what you could learn on the stained glass windows at church. You learned what you heard in the sermons. But, but oftentimes most of the worship was done in Latin. So you couldn't even understand that. You experienced things. This is why the high point of worship at this time was the Eucharist, was communion. Because that was your experience. It was about experiencing God. Knowing God personally and experiencing Him in your life. And you just trusted the authoritative text. You trusted the scriptures. You trusted the creeds that you memorized. And you trusted what authorities told you about those things. This sort of goes until the Reformation. Where the, the, the rebellion against the Catholic Church at the time, remember Catholic means universal, they're pretty much the only game in town. There's no Protestants yet. There's this little group of Orthodox in little pockets, but not very many. But at, 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 in the 1500s, as we get printing press and we start getting some major movement in technology at the time, um, a new mindset began to change. Suddenly we began to trust in human reason. We didn't just trust authority figures. We weren't just superstitious. We believed that we could break down the world and figure things out. Yourself was defined by your organizational association. What church were you part of? Not just your family, though that was part of it. But what was your church? What was your organization? Maybe what was your hometown? What was your country? country this is when, when nations start coming up a lot stronger. Before, there weren't really nations. There were just sort of territories. Modernism, these are my four pillars of modernism. You want to understand modern theory, uh, modern way of looking at the world, here's how I would describe it. First is logical coherence. In the modern world, things made sense. You could make sense of the world, you could master it, you could study it through science, through the social sciences. We get things in the modern world like x-rays. Related to that is this idea of mechanical understanding. The idea was you could take the world and break it down into subsequent parts to understand them individually. It's in the modern era, era that we get major medical breakthroughs. Because until then, no one had mapped out the body. Some scientists started getting together and say, okay, we got to dissect some bodies and start understanding what all these parts are and where they fit and what they do. And the understanding was that we could master them. We could understand them. So, um, theology did this too. It's during this time where we started taking all these beliefs about God and the Bible and we broke them down into their component parts. Let's talk about God as Holy Spirit. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the church. Let's break all these things down. The understanding was progress was, was achievable. And that as we moved forward in our knowledge, as we move forward in technology, things would get better. Better housing, better vehicles, better medicine, better communications. And the, the belief was the more we knew, the better people would become and the better society would be. This is where we get lots of schools, lots of colleges and universities. We get experts in certain fields. This is, this is, the, the printing press was a major part of this. Because all of a sudden I could mass produce whatever I was writing about. 
So ideas, knowledge could spread so much faster than when you had to hand copy them or when you had to go to a particular place and read the one book that was written. See, this did major changes to the church. The church became a church of belief. It became about what you knew, not about who you knew. It became about knowledge and belief more than experience and faith. This is seen in our worship, where the high point of worship becomes a sermon. There wasn't many, really that many sermons in the, the old Latin mass of, of uh, medieval times. Now we get sermons. Now we get teaching. Now we get the Bible translated into people's language that they can understand. Now don't get me wrong, some great things came out of modernism, like medicine, like Bibles, like, like knowledge. But eventually, the assumptions of modernism began to be questioned. In the last century, what has our progress got us? Where has our knowledge taken us? To a Great Depression? World wars and the Holocaust? At least some of those wars were won. What about wars that just seem to continue, that don't seem winnable? The 2000s was the final collapse of modern thinking. September 11th, the Catholic priest sex abuse scandal the religious recession, the economic recession. In the end, throughout all this, the smartest people were the ones that were doing the most damage. It was often the people who knew a lot that knew how to manipulate others. And so, it's faded. There is now, as Gabe Lyons would say, a skepticism about certainty in our culture, a distrust of parents, authority and institution. Modernism failed. All we did was get a lot more, a lot better at killing each other and of hurting each other. Now again, there was some good stuff, but think about medicine, for example. Medicine, we've made these major progress and we, we now understand so much. But how many of you have had to go to multiple doctor visits because they can't figure out what's going on wrong with you? As far forward as we've moved, your body is still so complex that we've realized we can't master it. That, that the, the more we do fix, the more these, these viruses, the more cancer just seems to get harder and harder to deal with. And so there's this call to go back to the start, to, to leave modernism and to renew. Think back to this commercial. I think this commercial is an amazing, amazing statement about this. Modernism is represented there with bigger farms, having larger animals. And one of the things that, uh, that Chipotle complains, a lot of people complain about a lot, is the antibiotics that, we're giving, that we give a lot to animals to make sure that they can stay healthier in worse circumstances, in worse settings. And so we're getting stronger and stronger viruses, so we need stronger and stronger um, medicines to keep up. If you look up Chipotle, you'll be able to find, they, they track all this stuff. So, in the commercial, what do you see? You see this farmer, and he starts out in his nice farm, his nice little farm. But as it grows, it gets more and more mechanized. It gets more and more modern. But as he sort of looks, it keeps getting bigger. It keeps getting bigger. All of a sudden, roads are being plowed. All of a sudden, there is uh, um, toxic waste going into the waters. You can see that in the commercial. <coughs> and eventually, he starts kind of regretting. There's this moment where he sort of regrets all these things, and... and um, then, then the song goes, I'm going back to the start. 
And he starts taking away all this stuff and free-range farming and kind of getting more natural. Have you heard all the language about natural? Go in the grocery store. You got, huge, you got all natural grocery stores now. There's, this, there's a big market for this idea of natural. Even the song. I mean, this commercial was what? It's claymation, right? When's the last time you saw claymation? There have been recent, recently some movies, but for a long time, there was the California Raisins. Remember the California Raisins way back? And then we just moved past claymation, and now all of a sudden it's coming back. That song was Willie Nelson singing a song by younger people. Who, who was this song actually by? Right now? That's a Coldplay song. Willie Nelson playing Coldplay. It's a total mix of generations, even in the song. This is happening in other areas. Uh, I think a lot of you know that I run, but I try to do what's called natural running. And so I run barefoot some, or these are my, these, these are actually my casual shoes. My running shoes are more gross than this. These are my running shoes. They are, there's not a lot of padding on them. There's not a lot of cushion. There's just one strap across the top. They have individual toes. I look really weird when I go to places and run because people have never seen them before. But you know what they're finding? They're finding that we put so much cushion on our feet that actually it's, it's sometimes really, unless you have something really wrong with your feet, some people do, it's sometimes better to get rid of the cushion and just go natural. Um, they're even, by the way, doing this with horses now. They're finding with horses that their horseshoes, we had to have those when we had cobblestone roads, but now that we have smooth fields and smooth roads, it's better for horses, they think, maybe, to take their horseshoes back off of them. This is what's happening. And so we're getting this postmodern world from 2000 onward, onward. There's more trust in social definitions now. Think Wikipedia. I mean, think the move from encyclopedia, where the experts wrote it down on paper, to Wikipedia, where we as a group kind of pool our knowledge and we put it on the web. That's, that's a different way of thinking. Self is defined by social associations. Think Facebook. It's more who your friends are than where you go to church or what organizations you're involved in. People feel burned by modernism, science, church, philosophy, and big business. So they're moving away from those things. They have a lack of confidence in authority figures. Human reason as a means to solve problems and differences and grand truth claims. All-encompassing narrative. You want to try to explain simply how the world works? Try to do that to somebody 35 and younger. They're going to laugh at you. Because the world is just too complicated to be mastered the way moderns wanted to. We're not sure it's sort of emerging, but, but we can say that we are in a post-logical coherence world. People have moved from being logical to accepting more contradiction and paradox. Young people are willing to believe things that contradict each other. Whereas, if you're older, you, you can't do that, right? No, it has to be logically congruent. That logic is being rejected. Truth is less important than what people think. Again, Wikipedia. Post-mechanical understanding. The world is so complicated, you can't break it down. Think about medicine again. We've got now more holistic doctors, right? More doctors are starting to go back and say, oh, you know what? No, we need to look at vitamins. No, we need to look at lifestyle. We can't just, we can't just medicate or do surgery for a particular problem. We've got to look at this whole system. The medical field is doing the same thing. Post-progress. People may be attached to their, their technology. Um, uh, how many people here own an iPhone? Own an iPhone? Own an iPad or some kind of tablet? How many of you got a tablet? There are now more smartphones in the world than toilets. I'm serious. 
More smartphones in this world today than toilets. Post-knowledge, too. People have access to so much information, I can look up anything I want on my phone right now. That knowledge isn't that important. Being an expert isn't that important. Why? Because I can Google search in 30 seconds. I don't have to learn it all. Church is now in a different place. And I think it's, it's more of a place what um, author Harvey Cox has called the age of the spirit. Well, what we're, what we're, the church is going to have to do is not going to be about belief anymore. It's not even going to be about faith. It's going to be about really experiencing and living by the Holy Spirit. What is the high point of worship? I, I don't know. This is still up for grabs right now. And so I think there are some real challenges to the modern church in a postmodern world. Let's be honest. What we're doing today is really modern. It's really modern to sit and listen to people. In fact, how many people sit and listen to 20 minutes of talking? The only people that do what I do are pastors, stand-up comics, and politicians. And politicians are even talking shorter today than they ever have. Not many people sit and hold an audience for this long. Our, Our church is inherently modern. We inherited it that way. We have assumed that the church must be logical, that the church can be broken down into its individual program areas. If we, if we progress with our models and, and, and get ideas like contemporary worship, things will improve. If people would just learn more about God and more about the Bible, they would grow. But, but it's much more organic and complicated than that. And a lot of us are really to figure out how to be a church in a postmodern world. The order of faith experience has reversed. It used to be, and for Jesus, when he got disciples... He called them to be his disciples. He trained them on how to act. You know, he has them going out and doing miracles and helping the poor and doing all this stuff. And then it's later that he starts, hey, who do you say that I am? See, the the order originally was belonging, behaving, and believing. I think one of the worst things that modernism did to the Christian faith was it reversed it. So if you wanted to come and be a part of a church, first thing you had to do was believe certain things. Then you had to behave certain ways, and then you could belong. So there are all kinds of people that said, you know, I'm not sure I believe all that, so I guess I can't go. You know, I'm still having trouble with alcohol, so I guess I can't really be part of your church. I think the church really needs to get back to belonging. If you've got something wrong in your life, I want you here. I don't want you out there where I can't help you with it. I want you here. That is a different mentality for church. I'm not entirely comfortable with all these moves, by the way. Even though I'm in my 30s, I should be more postmodern. I mean, this is more natural for me. But it's not natural the way it is for my kids, I can tell you. But I think there are opportunities for the church in the postmodern world. Because I think God doesn't fit the rational model of modernism. I don't think God can be understood. I don't think he can be broken down into his component parts. I think it's time we experience God again. I think modernism has led to shallow Christians. We've made Christianity a checklist of beliefs that we have to agree to. And we haven't engaged in deeper, the deeper and more spiritual aspects of our faith. I think better things may be coming for Christians and churches who are attentive, open, biblical, and loving. I think the church is going to have to be less programs, less didactic teaching, and more discussion, more organic community less organizational division. Um, I think denominations are fairly... I don't, I don't see how denominational structures can really hold up in a postmodern world. How we do evangelism is going to be different. We're not going to be able to talk about our faith and 
we, we, didn't you all, if you've done any kind of evangelism, the pressure was to have to answer everybody's questions about the faith? That's not anymore, because people don't have those kind of questions. It's now going to return to faith sharing, where you just say, hey, this is what Jesus means to me, and people will listen to that. For a closing metaphor, I don't know if you know anything about forest fires, but um, there's been a tendency when forest fires come, for a long time we just tried to put out forest fires. And what we found is that that is, uh, not weave like I've done it, but scientists have found that it, that's not actually very good for the ecosystems involved. You go out to Colorado and other places, forest fires are important for the ecosystem. Because what they do is they come in and they, they flame everything down so that new life can get started. And so you, you try to control it, you try to keep it away from towns, but if you just put it out, you end up ruining the forest. Because the forests count on that flame to cut everything down so it can renew again. I think the church is in a forest fire right now. And I think it's probably a good thing. I think Jesus is so much more wonderful a Savior than we have made Him. I think His life and work are so much more beautiful than we've given it credit for. I think the church is so much more world-changing than we've ever seen it. I think His Holy Spirit is so much more potent and life-changing than our rational mindset has let the Holy Spirit be. I think it's time that we go for the Bible as unchained from logic and just as a life-changing document. It's time for the kind of radical faith that doesn't make sense but makes a difference. So let the forest fire burn that the new life may spring forth. Let's pray. Lord, work through us as a church. Work through our world. Work through these storms. Lord, that you would receive glory and honor. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.